Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time here, I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. And we have a ton to talk about today. First off, DC introduces a fat Wonder Woman. No one wanted this, no one asked for this, uh, but here we are. Next, a Black Lives Matter activist, after all of the looting that happened in Chicago, claims that actually that looting was really just reparations for slavery because, of course, then. We look at a video by Ash Sarkar talking about the migrant crisis in Britain and finally the tragic murder of a child who was shot just outside of his home by a black man receives little to no media coverage. Why? I think, because it doesn't fit a certain political narrative. So, a lot to go through today. First off, Wonder Woman. You're not a huge comic book reader, right? I'm no. not really. Yeah, I mean, I'm not into the whole DC universe aside from what I've seen in movies, really. But even I know that Wonder Woman, she's supposed to be like this pinnacle of beauty and fitness. She's actually like an Amazonian like goddess thing, right? She's mm -hmm. supposed to be fit and competent and powerful, I yep. would imagine. Yeah, I would um, imagine too. And, you know, no offense to people of more rotund body shapes, but I think it is safe to say, despite what activists may be pushing now, that there's a correlation between your physical fitness and the way your body looks. Is that, can I still say that? Or is that hate speech? Uh, I mean, you could still say that for now. Yeah. At the very least. Well, there's a little bit of a controversy brewing online after DC, like the actual DC Comics account, put out a new cover with a, let's just call her body positive Wonder Woman. So we have this piece from Allure. It says, wait, why can't Wonder Woman be plus size? When artist Robin Eisenberg was recently asked to create a piece inspired by Wonder Woman, she brought her unique artistic style to the interpretation she did. I love drawing aliens with realistic body types, living their lives comfortable with themselves. She wrote in a post about the piece on both Instagram and Twitter. So I drew an alien character with a realistic body wearing a more everyday version of the Wonder Woman outfit. DC, the entertainment company behind Wonder Woman, decided to use the illustration for a variant cover and tweeted it out to DC Nation Twitter account, which is when Eisenberg learned that some fans' devotion is less like loyalty and more like narrow-minded fat shaming. So we have the post that DC Nation put out here. It says, only one word for the Wonder Woman 1984 number one Rooster Teeth variant cover by Robin Eisenberg, out September 29th. And as you can see, she she has some thighs going on. She certainly yeah. does. It bothers me when they refer to plus size bodies as realistic body types, as if yeah. being skinny is unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, taking somebody that is not of the normal fitness level or just normal physically in general, yeah. you could find them. They're realistic bodies. Having one leg is a realistic body. You <laughs> yes. can, it is realistic. People yeah. do have one leg. But that doesn't make it necessarily something that you you want to look to obtain. Right. It's not necessarily desirable. It's not necessarily something you want to promote to your audience. And it's right. especially considering Gal Gadot. So she's the actress who actually plays Wonder Woman in the DC Cinematic Universe. She looks a lot closer to the comics. She is a real person. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, she's not some sort of computer-generated actress. We're not quite there yet. Very real. And I feel like the whole attempt to connect a realistic body to the plus-size movement, it's really just low expectations on our yeah. ability to keep fit, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I see it is, like, if you looked at that picture, basically, it, it, like, she's a pear. That's the yeah. shape of her body. And, Essentially. You know, that's fine. It's, it is a realistic body. I've seen people like that. They're typically all middle-aged women. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. You know, I get it. But if you're in your 20s, you probably shouldn't look like that yet. Yeah. That's all. Uh, so it's slightly out of the normal range. 
of what you'd expect a healthy human to look like. Yeah. It's not something that I would say is, um, I mean, I don't want you to feel like like crap about yourself and tell you, look, it is what it is sometimes. But at the same time, maybe you could look a little bit better if you just put some effort into it. And you don't have to feel badly about yourself. It's not your whole self-worth. It's tied up in there. But of course... We should all want to be healthier. And I include myself yeah. in that. Anytime I talk about body positivity, I want to just ensure everyone, I'm not talking to, down to people as some paragon of health. The other day, I ate an entire bag of Tostitos in like one sitting. It was terrible. I know. I know. I can do better too. Um, and just... Aside from that, why do superheroes have to be realistic in any way, right? In any way, shape, or form? Why do you need to look at a superhero, especially one like Wonder Woman, who is like an immortal yeah. goddess, and say, I see my body type in this. I like it. Like, since when is that the point of comics? The article continues, I didn't realize that featuring a Wonder Woman-inspired character with a realistic body type would be controversial. Apparently it is. Eisenberg wrote, adding that once the variant cover was tweeted, it was immediately met with hundreds of comments hating on her body, as well as on the non-traditional art style or me personally. A look through the replies to DC Nation's tweet reveals some horrifyingly rude comments about not only Eisenberg's signature artistic style, but about her interpretation of Wonder Woman's body. So I, neither of us are down for hate right definitely not no but i think some of the at least replies they've included here are really just criticisms that they're passing off as hate so this one person said being fat is unhealthy and should not be encouraged it's not a complex thing <laughs> i like this they say wrote one person who does not appear to be an actual health expert as if the jury's still out on whether being overweight is good for you yeah we need, Spoiler, we need to get all not. the physicians in here and get a consensus yeah because we're but, not sure yet but also when they have a consensus we need to ignore it yeah <laughs> it says stop making superheroes fat another anti-fat superheroes activist wrote and those are some of the tamer ones many use specifically cruel words to make it clear that they are unwilling to accept an imagining of Wonder Woman with a bigger body. Thankfully, a number of fans were ready and willing to call out the absolute BS that is being offered by the concept of Wonder Woman that differs from the traditionally leaner versions of the characters. Watching all the people here complain about a character who has realistic proportions is very telling. All the cries of fat and whale make it clear that misogynistic attitudes remain rife, one person tweeted. I, like, there is this really strong push to link fat acceptance with feminism and anyone who's saying hey let's be slimmer healthier it's misogyny mm -hmm. i don't get that right i really don't and it's funny because of all the claims of misogyny fat shaming people you don't really see the body positivity movement standing up for overweight men very much no that's true i mean if you and if you look at like any male comics i can think of very, very few instances where they are not like shredded man beasts. Right. Like He-Man. I mean, even in the movies like Thor, Chris Hemsworth, Captain America, these are not for the average man, quote, realistic body types. No, you don't see men they... complaining about it. No, of course not. And it's fantastic. I mean, they have to work very hard for that. They yeah. need a very specific way. And um, I forget who was, a, who was, there was one of the superhero fellows. Oh, it was Henry Cavill actually talking about how he would water cut for the Witcher scenes. Yeah. And that's like, you don't drink water over a period of days. That's that's hard to do. It's yeah. Your body is screaming at that point. It's, you know, is that a realistic thing for the average man to have that kind of muscle to fat ratio? I mean, no, but it is realistic. It yeah, has he has done. done it, yeah. Um, no, and I just think seeing this always relating to women, it just comes off as insecurity to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is, I mean, I feel bad for those women who would look at Wonder Woman as a comic and not feel good enough. But at the same time, 
that's an issue you have with yourself. And it's a lot easier yeah. to re-examine the way you think of yourself and maybe even your own lifestyle than it is to completely re-engineer society and what we find attractive, which is what these people yeah. are trying to do. I mean, there's a double-edged, there's a, there, there is some kind of, I think there is an issue that they, they are, that is rightly causing them this problem in my mind. And that is, you know, the, the, the commodification of sex and yeah. the objectification of women, which is, by the same token, being totally applauded by these same people, right? right? We have songs like WAP that came out that are like the most the most beautiful feminist thing, though. Right, exactly. But at the same time, it's like you have to look a certain way to to for a male to even consent to think about that kind of thing, right? No, but it's like they love applauding anything degenerate or sexy if it's gross. Right. They mm -hmm. like the gross side of sexuality, stuff like Hardy B, Nicki Minaj, people you really actually would rather see clothed if it's actually, you know, fit, slim, toned, muscular women, not just women with like implants. That's bad. I don't know why, but that's the mm -hmm. sense, right? Because they pick on Victoria's Secret models and the Victoria's Secret fashion show. To be fair, they look weird. No, they don't. They no, weird. they don't. He Lauren likes Lauren likes like like the, the female aesthetic Lauren likes is like she needs to have a hammerhead shark kind of look going on. She needs to be able to see prey from like predators from all angles. That's you know not what I mean? True. Like the eyes got to be. He's like, making way. fun of me because I think Lily Rose Depp is pretty. I didn't she's... say that. I did not name any names. I did not name drop anybody. That's why though. That's. No, there's a few of them. Mm, Definitely. But, anyway. but the point is I could see why they think those people look a little bit weird. That's I, not and then why. to be fair, I think they also do weight cut for that. Stuff. They do. No, they absolutely so, do. They like, they've come under flack the models for their ex quote extreme routines but i mean you know you're going to be seen in your underwear by millions of people they they do things yeah, like you're performing for a living like that yeah and you I know they work out every single day for hours and hours but it's aspirational it's like i don't think i'm ever going to reach that level of fitness but it is nice to say oh look what the human body is capable of achieving for sure and you can admire that it's like mm. with it's like complaining that pro athletes are too good at sports and it's not realistic it's like it's not yeah. supposed to be realistic for you. Yeah, these things are difficult to obtain, but they still ought to be, to some degree, uh, respected at least. And, yeah. and and they should be desirable for, I think, most people. I think that most men should aim to be, to have some degree of fitness, you know? And I think most women should be in the same boat. And I, yeah, it's easy to get overweight in today's society. I get it, right? Trust me, I deal with that sometimes too. The COVID-10 is real. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't that doesn't immediately make me start going into defensive mode where I start rationalizing my actions, my, yeah. my decisions to make myself that way, because that's ultimately what it is. I don't start blaming other people for it. I say, OK, it's time to not eat for a little bit. Yeah, that's a foreign thinking, these people. Final thing, someone else said, I think that Wonder Woman is a concept that is beyond body shape or skin color or even, dare I say, gender. I applaud DC's initiative and it saddens me to read such backlash, which is against what Wonder Woman is about. OK. Wonder Woman is a woman like that's that's a, a core part of her thing. But in any case, uh, I have some replies here. The DC posted get ratioed as would be expected. This person says, as a man who's lost 160 pounds through disciplined diet and exercise, I cannot tell you how much I absolutely loathe the fat acceptance part of the intersectionalist movement. That was a very popular reply. And I do want to like highlight here that when we pick on this fat acceptance movement, we're not targeting overweight people specifically, because that, that's a very different thing. I think most overweight people themselves don't need to have overweight superheroes to feel better about themselves. I think a lot of them probably just think this is pandering and kudos to this guy, 160 pound weight loss, that is huge. Very impressive. A lot of people underneath the Wonder Woman post were just posting classic versions or other artist mm. depictions of Wonder Woman where she does look somewhat more nubile, 
little more in shape. I mean, here we have one where she's... Yeah, that one we might need to blur out a little bit. We don't need to blur it out. What would we blur out? No, it's Lauren, fine. I could see some... Anyways. <laughs> no. But yeah, they they look... I mean, you know, they have smaller hips. They do have larger breasts. They're clearly toned. I mean, a lot of people nowadays would say this stuff is sexist. But I think it's like, I don't feel offended by this. And I'm the conservative, quote, prude that doesn't like the WAP song. So it's like, that's fine, but this is heresy. I really don't get the standards. Um, but this is, it's also just sad for fans of comics in general, because for a while now, there's been this whole comics gate thing. The comic book industry is one of the more progressively inclined industries. It's always confusing how that happens. Um, and it doesn't seem like their fan base is aligned with that. So I think they're alienating a lot of their customers and... I mean, for these people who just want to read comics, I guess it's not a possibility anymore. You have to have some social justice with it. And we saw that with Marvel's The New Warriors comic. That was really yeah, terrible. I thought well. that was a parody. Um, I honestly thought Fat Wonder Woman was a parody as well when I first saw it. But I guess this is just the world that we live in. All right. So next, we're going to be talking about the whole looting fiasco that happened in Chicago this week. But before we do, very excited. I want to tell you all about Thera One. So a while ago, you may remember, we spoke to you all about the Theragun. This amazing percussive device helps with sore muscles. Like, I can attest to that. Absolutely. It was started by Dr. Jason Worsland. Uh, and it, Therabody, which is the company, exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. Well, now we bring you this CBD product. It's under the TheraOne brand, from tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply make it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. And I know, you know, hearing me and Liam talk about these products, you're probably thinking, are, are they only for just people at their peak physical stages, you know, just pure athletes bodies and i'm thank you by the way i'm here to tell you that no actually a lot of my soreness comes from just sitting over a computer every yeah. single day right yep. bad posture i have it in my neck stress in my shoulders and things like the theragun and even this bomb really do help i like to use them in conjunction with each other but you don't have to even just like this has you can smell it like that cooling sensation it really does help you can just rub it on wherever you're sore it does provide relief in my experience. So use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com Lauren. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that Theragun is likely to do again. So buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash Lauren, but only until Labor Day. So go right now to theragun.com slash Lauren. And this really, like, these really are some of our favorite products. Like, we yes. fight over them. Our family does, too. <laughs> like, we have a lot of soreness. <laughs> Listen, as soon as I saw that we were getting a livered with Theragun, I was like, that's mine. Yeah, you really that's, did. That's yeah, mine. but uh, I, I had to test it out first. So we love the products. All right. So if you're on social media, you likely saw that this past weekend in Chicago, Chicago, there was, I mean, there was just rioting, looting. It was havoc. It was, it was not a fun time. We have some video here of what went down. I mean, really, these people are animals. We'll see. Uh, this is a, a video of it. it. Looks like they're trying to ram their way into a store. So 
So for our audio only listeners, what we had there was a car smashing into a store's front window uh, with a bunch of people cheering them on. And I've had people say, like I've called rioters and looters like these anarchists. I've called them animals before. And apparently that's racist in some people's minds. Like, look, I don't care about the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. If you're going around breaking into stores, you know, setting things on fire, just acting like there's no rule of law and you're a, a petulant child who thinks they can do whatever you want, you're an animal. Yeah. Right. Not even that, because animals don't go around destroying their own homes. They have better sense than that. Unlike these people. Yeah. I mean, to me, part of me also flinched when she said that. I was like, oh, that's not going to go over well. But the other, the other part is like, I mean, if you actually think about it, so many or the majority of these protesters are actually white. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, so. I'm not sure in Chicago specifically, like, I don't know about the racial makeup of this but it's not about specific that. protest. Yeah. But it's not about no. that. I don't care. Like, no matter what your skin color is, don't like an, like, don't act like an animal if you don't want to be called an animal. Of course. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, and here we have uh, another video of people just, you can see, I think this is, it looks like a pharmacy. People just breaking in and walking out with tons of clothing and merchandise in their hands. so strange because there are two narratives going around like on the one hand we have these people saying that cops are like this fascist presence they're gunning down isn't black people in the street but on the other like there's video footage of people just walking in and out of stores yeah. carrying stolen goods and no one is doing anything about it so it's like yeah. i don't know for a fascist presence not very efficient well it's that is one of the major dangers of the internet, though, to, to like go off on a little tangent there, I guess, though. But you can really confirm your own biases because there's just enough evidence to support whatever thing you you already think. It's true. There, there are lots of videos where police are doing weird things uh, on Twitter. You could find them if you just follow some lefties. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, there are a ton of instances of mob violence. Right. So you, we're just in our own bubbles right now. And this, this conversation isn't going to get any better because... No side is willing to even look at what the other side is doing here. Well, I think you like know? with both sides, you have to look at overwhelming statistical evidence. Yes, right? no, I agree with that. And the thing is like, yeah, everyone has individual anecdotes. What I'm interested in is the macro approach, of right? Course. So yeah, what happened with, I don't know, Breonna Taylor, I think that was that was wrong. Whether it's motiva racially motivated, I don't know. But I think it was wrong. But if you look at the overall number of unarmed people yep. who are killed by cops, it's not a large number. That doesn't mean it's not terrible when it does happen. But mm. for something to be a systemic problem, it needs to be more widespread, frankly. Um, so obviously Chicago was a nightmare. Um, I think it was, what was it called? Magnificent Mile. That was the area that was really being targeted. And you might be wondering, okay, well, it's probably due to some like injustice, right? This must be something like an innocent person was targeted. Uh, apparently not. Apparently there was a shooting. Someone shot at police and they fired back. And that is enough nowadays to spur a riot. We have this from WXYZ News. It says hundreds of people descended on downtown Chicago early Monday following a police shooting on the city's south side with vandals smashing the windows of dozens of businesses and making off with merchandise, cash machines, and anything else they could carry police said. Police Superintendent David Brown told reporters that the Sunday afternoon shooting of the man who had opened fire on officers apparently prompted a social media post that urged people to form a car caravan and converge on the business and shopping districts. So, I mean, now it's like cops can't even defend themselves. 
in these yeah. people's minds. No, but this was opportunistic, right? Oh, they were absolutely. waiting for something like this to happen. And it was invariably going to happen eventually where someone was going to try to pick a fight with a cop. Yeah. And they were just waiting for an excuse to go and riot, in my opinion. That, that's the only way to explain that kind of behavior. I think so. And that's exactly where the police superintendent has come down on as well. It says Brown dismissed any suggestion that the chaos was part of an organized protest of the shooting, calling it pure criminality that included occupants of a vehicle opening fire on police who were arresting a man they spotted carrying a cash register. You want to know how things are bad? Even Mayor... Lori Lightfoot, who's that questionable looking woman who's the mayor of mm. Chicago, even she is finally condemning these rioters, these looters. It says Mayor Lori Lightfoot agreed that the melee had nothing to do with a protest. She says this was a straight up felony criminal conduct. She said this was an assault on our city. And I like that she said our city because I think the people on the ground don't really have it in their minds enough that they are the only ones who are being hurt ultimately with yeah. this, right? This yep. hurts Chicago. This hurts lower income people in Chicago. If you want to make your community better, this is not how you do it. Yeah, but the truth is these people know that there are virtually going to be no consequences for their actions, yeah. at least for the vast majority of them. Mm -hmm. They know that the social media is on their side. They oh, know yeah. that... The cops are in a large way powerless to actually stop them. They know that their mayor is going to make excuses for them to some degree. They, there's no consequences for them to behave this way. They've got carte blanche to do whatever they want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk about white privilege a lot, but I, I certainly seem to think that that is, if I saw white people doing that, there would be... There would be deaths. Right. No, right. there absolutely would be. There's a double standard, even in how the media has been reporting on this. I mean, we saw how upset they were when conservatives merely showed up to protest yes. peacefully. Well, now we have cities being torched. I mean, look what's going on in Portland that has been going on for months now. And they're yeah. acting like it's not a big deal. This is absolutely a double standard. And I, I'm kind of wondering, like, does this hurt or help Trump? Because a lot of people might say, well, it shows that there's unrest under Trump. He's a divider. But I think even more people are looking at all of these things happening in Democrat-controlled cities, these actions being carried out by leftists and saying, you know what, as bad as things are now, I don't see this getting better under Biden. I'll be honest. I don't think that this is going to change anyone's opinion on anything. I think that by this point, four years later, after Trump's been elected... The people have made up their minds one way or another. Mm -hmm. They're going to say either it's Dem-controlled cities where all these are happening, or they're going to say it's because Trump's the president that all this is happening. But they've already made up their mind for the most part, in my opinion. There's I, a very small swing vote in the middle, which maybe is what will ultimately decide the presidency. Yeah. But that, I disagree. I think there are people in the suburbs, like that couple in uh, Missouri. Mm -hmm. I think there are people in the suburbs who hate Trump, who don't want anything to do with it. But now as these protests slash riots get further and further from the cities and kind of get closer to the suburbs, I think they're starting to get worried right now. And I think they want rule of law. And if you look at Biden, he's not a rule of law candidate. Like you could say Trump's a hard ass. He's a fascist. It's like, well... If that were true, I think, frankly, we'd have more law and order going on right now. I think Biden would be a, a bit of a roll of the dice with these people. Um, and this is a, a clip that I wanted to show you all. This was kind of going around on social media. According to this one Black Lives Matter leader in Chicago, no, no that wasn't looting. That wasn't rioting. Those, those people you saw carrying goods out of stores, what they were actually doing was claiming reparations. Mm. I'm not kidding. Here's Very the clip. Care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That's reparations. That is reparations. 
Anything they want to take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. They're, they're just stealing those Nikes because they want to eat. It's just, it's just for food. Like all that Gucci they're carrying. I know it's not just blatant greed and, and we're the ones that are licking the boot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I have <clears throat> many problems with this. Mm -hmm. um, first off, the idea that this is actually like these movements are helping black people when they're looting. Like, do you think businesses in the future are going to look fondly upon Chicago and they're going to think, you know what, this is where I want to invest. This is where I want to open up a store. I want to hire people. I want to work with these people. No. Okay. Like you are setting yourself up to be like a barren wasteland of business opportunity or just any type of opportunity because everyone's going to be scared of you yeah. because you're crazy. If I'm an insurance company, oh yeah, I would be like, you know, the same way where they have like flood zones where you can't insure the house. Yeah. That's a riot zone yeah. right there. I'm you not insuring. Insure. You're not insuring. You're not getting riot insurance or yeah. whatever is in there. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, the whole idea that you are owed reparations just in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, A, you're not. You were never a slave. But B, not only do you think you need reparations, now you're also granting yourself the ability to just take it from whatever, yes. from wherever you want, from whomever you want. You don't care. You're probably stealing from black business owners a lot of the time and you, you don't. You don't even care. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, what is the bill exactly? Like, right. what, when does it end? Like, do you just get to keep taking? Like, what is the, what are you saying here? Like, mm -hmm. you've taken a lot of stuff or these people have taken a lot of stuff. Yeah. Does that mean they're, they've forfeited all rights to future reparations yeah. or do they just get an infinite amount of, of taking of other people's property? I don't, I don't know. Is there any sort of number that's in mind here? It just seems like it's going to be arbitrary. They're going to back it up whatever is taken everything that their people do yeah um they're gonna say is okay ultimately because i think that this kind of person is a grifter frankly no, of course. and they are appealing to this audience and they will defend whatever they do yeah but yeah there's there's obviously no concrete it's some kind of ethereal thing these reparations that are they're supposed to be yeah, they just want to be able to take whatever they want with no consequences um which is so frustrating because there are people in these communities who have worked hard all of their lives, who've tried to set up businesses to not only help themselves, but also their neighbors and things like that. Now they're the ones who are being screwed over by this, right? They're the ones whose property value is dropping, right? Whose businesses are being looted. So I don't buy for a second that they're doing this out of any humanitarian yeah. care or whatever. No, this is just being purely, purely selfish. And it's frankly disappointing. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what you can do with someone who has this mentality. Like, how do you how do you get along with someone who actually thinks it's their right to steal from you and to burn down your place and, you know, cause violence on, on their neighbors? Like, I, I don't even have anything to say. It's just, it's so sad. I hope this craziness that seems to be going through the cities calms down eventually, but it doesn't look like it. I feel like it's only getting worse. Honestly, we'll see. I'm very interested to see what happens either way in November. Yeah. Frankly, that might be wild. Yeah, same. Uh, so next up, we've spoken before fairly recently about migrant crises happening in Canada and in the US. Well, now we're going to be turning our eyes back across the pond to the UK because they also are having an issue with m migration. And I think, you know, these conversations that we have, regardless of whether we're focusing specifically on Canada, the US or the UK, these really are conversations and issues that are relevant for pretty much every single developing nation or developed nation, I should say, mm -hmm. right? We're all dealing with this thing. So I think it's it's great where we can see what other countries are doing and where they're maybe failing or succeeding. Um, so Ash Sarkar, she is a left-wing commentator in the UK. If you follow Sargon of Akkad, you've probably seen some of her videos before. She recently put out this 
episode of her show, I'm not even sure, talking about the migration situation in the UK. And I thought it was interesting because there are a lot of the same talking points, like I said, being brought up here that we hear in the US and Canada. Uh, according to her, there's no problem with migration. You actually just need to let more of them in. They're not costing people too much money. There's not too many of them. We just, we need to let in more. Everyone relax. Immigration, amazing diversity is our strength. We have a clip of it here. You might have heard from Nigel Farage and his merry band of reactionaries that the country is in grave peril. No, not from that. It's from migrants crossing the channel in rubber dinghies you'd consider too flimsy for pootling around Shadwell Basin, let alone navigating the world's busiest shipping channel or carrying women and children. It is pretty dangerous, just the number of people on board that boat. Let me just see, are you okay? Are you all right? They're Syrians who fled a country torn apart by civil war, bailing out a tiny boat with a plastic bucket. How do you think they're getting along, Simon? First thing I wanna say here is that there is this effort on the part of Ash Sarkar to say like, they're fleeing Syria, they're women and children. Okay, first of all, those people are coming from France, right? Let us make, make no mistake. If you're entering the UK through the channel, that means you were previously in France. You were not previously in Syria or I don't know, any type of war zone. I mean, parts of France are kind of dodgy. We've done episodes about that. No, but you were, you were in France. So the idea that you're fleeing danger, I don't think so, okay? France is on the downward slope, I think, but it's not that bad, not yet. No. Uh, second, as you can see clearly in that video and in a lot of the videos and just in statistics in general, it's mostly men that are coming over, right? These migrants, we can say, oh, the women and children, they're leaving the women and children mostly home, all right? These are men coming over, which, you know, if you still want them to come over, that's fine. We can have that conversation, but be honest about it. Yeah. Be honest about it. Yeah, I found a, th a few things stuck out to me there. The one the one thing that she mentioned was women and children are coming over. And yeah. that's, that's an acknowledgement, of course, that women and children ought to be protected, but they've got a higher <laughs> standard, you know, yes. like, but at the same time, no, men bad. Yeah. Um, what I also what I also loved was the reporter just like virtue signaling. Like, completely. how are you? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, just wave thumbs up. Yeah, like, you know, it was like if they said no, what's the next step, buddy? Yeah. We know that the, you inviting them back like, to oh. your place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I like that kind of stuff. It was perfect. Yeah. Because there's no context, images of brown men in small boats are no pun intended floating signifiers. They're seen through the lens of much of the prejudiced, dishonest, and alarming coverage which you find in right-wing print and political media. Journalists are failing in their duty to separate fact from popular feeling. So here she's pretty much complaining that it's just because of anti-migrant propaganda that the media fails to quell. That's the only reason why people are kind of upset because if you look at stats in the US, UK, Canada, pretty much every Western nation actually people want immigration levels lowered, right? That's the overwhelming consensus. Right. Um, that's not what they vote for necessarily, which I think is a flaw of democracy. But yeah, people, if you ask them, hey, more immigration, less, they usually say less. And what I find interesting about Ash Sarkar's argument is that in her mind, it's just because of the media portraying them negatively. It's like, you can't even imagine for a second that maybe, just maybe, these people's lives are actually being affected by migrants, right? And it's like, if you're actually not someone who's upper middle class and you are maybe, you know, lower middle or even just working class, odds are your everyday life is being affected. You are mm -hmm. being displaced in terms of work. You know, your neighborhood is not the same as it used to be. The idea that it's just media propaganda, especially considering how left-wing the media is, is laughable. Yeah, no, I agree. There's not much more to say there. I think that 
Uh, she's not willing to entertain the idea that these immigrants can or migrants, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, refugees, which I think is not the, the case, but yeah. that there, there's even the possibility that they are in some way damaging, inconveniencing, mm-hmm. uh, changing the lives of the locals for a negative in some way. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that's very close minded of her. I think that there is a benefit to some immigration, yeah. of course, but I think that it has to be done the right way. And I think that I, I could I've heard hundreds if not thousands of examples across the western world of people's lives that were just completely changed by mass immigration settlement right and that's you bring up you bring up a good point something that really frustrates me um with progressives is they like to talk about immigration as you know all immigrants are the same and it's all amazing right if you actually look at the statistics we see that that's not true are some immigrants a boon to the economy absolutely like mm-hmm. if you are someone with skills with an advanced degree or a business owner I would say like, and you speak English and things like that, and you're a contributor. Absolutely, that can be the case. But when we have these open borders policies, the thing is you don't know who comes in or who, who's not coming in, right? And so to act as if, uh, you know, someone who is a doctor or a scientist and someone who has snuck across from who knows where, like, oh, yep, they have the same merits. It's absolutely not true. And the reason why they do that is to make you seem intolerant or ignorant or xenophobic or whatever it is. And it's like, no, okay, that's not the case. And actually in the UK, especially a lot of these people are not fleeing war zones anyway. They're economic migrants. They're there for opportunities. Do I blame them for coming and trying to better their lives? Of course not. It's a natural thing to Mm do, but it doesn't mean you have to open up your borders to every single person trying to no, do it. No, I agree. It. And to be clear, the migrants are not the person I really blame here at all. No, in me neither. we do know that a lot of times they have had lies yeah. about what awaits them in Europe, that some kind of European paradise exists. And or that, the, you know, that they're allowed to be coming. Yes. A lot of the times they don't even know necessarily that they're breaking the laws. They right. think the trafficker they've paid money to has the authority to take them there, right? Yeah. They don't know. Actually, Lauren Southern's documentary, Borderless. Yeah, that's a good one. Does a great job explaining this. Yeah, so I, I don't even like demonize the migrants themselves, but it's like yeah. at the same time, there needs to be order in the situation. Yeah, and I mean, this is great evidence of it because they're traveling from France to Britain. Yeah. Right, they're, they are traveling from two Euro- affluent European countries. They've gotten through France and, you know, there's just nothing for them there. You know, actually, there's a story of one of the, the UFC heavyweights right now who was a, 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 a migrant to France and mm-hmm. ended up living in his car for months right. because he had nothing. There was nothing there for them. That what their life that they were told they're going to have it's just, just not a reality. Exist. Yeah. A reporter might say that their job is just to neutrally convey what's going on by finding an event and physically pointing at it. This goes hello. But by the time a BBC News or Sky reporter has even put on their life jacket, the plight of migrants at sea has already been reduced to far-right talking points determined by Nigel Farage and given governmental legitimacy by Priti Patel. Basically, she's upset that the press isn't doing more to combat anti-migrant sentiment. It's like, okay, I'm pretty sure you've confused journalists with activists, which makes sense because you're an activist, but you can't be mad at journalists for not being activists enough, especially when I think they're already doing more than they should. Yeah, I mean, it's very obvious she's got a a worldview that very much wants to control the opposition. Yeah. Right. She's this is probably someone that if you pressed her on issues of free speech, would not You'd be a fan. <laughs> quickly find out that, she, yeah, she doesn't yeah. really believe it. I mean, them. she is a literal communist. She has said that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Their opinion is probably not valid in, in most things relating to politics. <laughs> right. Journalists have a responsibility to debunk the myths which will inevitably become attached to the images that they generate and distribute. 
Myths like the UK is uniquely burdened with refugees because other countries are failing to take on their fair share. It's actually the opposite. Britain isn't even in the top 10 for refugee hosting countries. And in fact, only two countries in Europe, Germany and Turkey, for those of you who are interested, even feature in that list. In Ash Sarkar's opinion then, the, it's not that the UK is taking in too many migrants, they need to take more, right? Because they haven't even, they're not even in the top 10 people or countries who are taking in migrants, so no. it needs to be more. Okay, as people who are from one of the top, I guess, refugee welcomers in, in Canada, that is, um, it's a pretty bad idea to compare how many migrants you should take in based on what other people are doing when you don't know other countries' economic situations, their population, et cetera, et cetera. No, mm -hmm. what should determine the number of immigrants of any type that a country wants to take in are its people, right? Its citizens, that's it. There is no other obligation a country has than to do what its citizens want. In my in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree. And that's, I think it, she downplays a lot how much migration the UK has had. We have an article here. It says, white British children will be a minority in state schools in England by 2037 if the population trends of the past decade continue. An analysis of official figures show the number of pupils from ethnic minorities has surged in the past 10 years in England, while the population of indigenous white children has fallen. Is this not enough? immigration for her british children a minority in just 17 years is that not enough well the truth is that those people are probably less likely to vote for communism <laughs> so in her mind no it's no, not it's enough, not enough. Yet. yeah uh, she, she cannot sway the vote just by virtue of uh left-wing talking points mm -hmm. so there you need needs to import to be voters more voters imported yeah that's what i exactly that, no that's that's exactly right and i think she is just someone who has grown up in a bubble frankly where she is removed from a lot of the effects that this is having uh this is having for people right if you go to areas where there's gang violence yeah. specifically i mean london stab rates have gone absolutely mm -hmm. through the roof you can't say that oh we just need to take in more people this isn't affecting anything it's like well, that's easy for you to say, maybe it's less easy for other people to say, even yeah. people who are legitimate refugees, where you're now importing the people they've run from. That's something that was also covered in Lauren Southern's documentary. I'll be honest, I just don't give these people the benefit of the doubt. I don't think I think that they might even be aware of the amount of stabbings, considering that London mayors have talked about knives and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I don't think they care about the people that are being stabbed. I, I if especially if they're white, I think that they think that they're part of some wider racial mm -hmm. reparations kind of thing going on and you know if there was collateral damage to instituting their left-wing worldview then it is what it is yeah that's uh, that i'm at the point where that's genuinely what i believe someone that at least openly says they're communist which is very far left yeah not representative not representative of the average of average left wing lefty, yeah yeah that's not what they really most of them are but someone that says they're communist i immediately think okay these people are radical no they are literally and, radical yeah and you know in the event of these stabbings in in the uk it probably doesn't concern them too much so long as it the ends justify the means mm -hmm. well contrary to popular opinion the fraction of migrants who do want to come to the uk aren't doing it because of our hugely generous benefit system Asylum seekers aren't even allowed to apply for permission to work in the UK unless they've been waiting on a response to their initial claim for 12 months. And many are entitled to just £37 a week to cover food, travel and other necessities. This was interesting to me because when I heard it, I thought, gee, that doesn't sound 
doesn't sound like the reporting I've heard on the issue, because I know that uh, mass migration in the UK has been a huge strain. It has been on the budget like many other countries. So I actually looked into things and would it surprise you to know that she's completely obfuscating the truth here? So here mm. she's trying to say, no, it's not like these migrants are costing us a ton of money. They, they can't, they're not even allowed to work uh, until they've been here for a year. I don't see how that's better necessarily. Yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah, right that's away. a red flag right there. And then they're, like, they're only allowed 37 pounds. I mean, per like who, who would leave their home just for that? I don't know. We have this article from fullfact.org, which is a independent UK fact-checking site. And they explain that the term refugee refers to asylum seekers whose applications for asylum have been successful. Okay, so she said she was talking about asylum seekers, but what about people whose applications have actually been accepted? Um, she's playing semantics here. According to a House of Commons research briefing, refugees, quote, are able to claim social security benefits and tax credits on the same basis as UK nationals. So yeah, maybe if you're an asylum seeker, you don't get much, but guess what? You're accepted as a refugee. Here, according to another site, is what you will be allowed to claim. Attendance allowance, careers allowance, child benefit, council tax support, child tax credit, council tax support, disability living allowance, income-related employment and support allowance, housing benefit, income support, income-based job seekers allowance, local welfare assistance, pension credit, personal independence payment, severe dis disablement allowance, social fund payments, universal credit, and working tax credit. 37 pounds a week, that's nothing. The site also explains though that asylum seekers who are waiting for a decision are not allowed to claim mainstream non-contributory social security benefits, which she mentioned and are usually not allowed to work either, but they may be eligible for asylum support from the Home Office, which Parliament described as less generous than Social Security benefits. This support can consist of somewhere to live, so they are provided housing, plus 37 pounds per person in the household a week. They can also get three to five pounds per week per pregnant mother, baby, and child under three, and may qualify for a one-off maternity payment of 300 pounds. So, I mean, you could say, yeah, for the first year, all we're gonna do is, you know, just give them a place to live and also 37 pounds per person per week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, it's still enough to like live and stuff. But mm -hmm. as soon as they cross into the threshold of actually being a recognized refugee, then they get whatever. So, I mean, what she's saying here is completely false, completely false. So that's not even to mention that the potential burden of people who are born there, if you're paying, sorry, if you're paying less into the system than what you claim in benefits, even something like the NHS or the school system, then you are going to be a net drain on the economy. That's just how it works. Um, I think that's pretty much all we have to say on that segment. But yeah, it was interesting to see that even in the UK, like these immigration conversations, it's always the same. It's always the same. You know, it's of this debate over, well, the morality and also the money. And these talking points are tired no matter where they're from, is what mm -hmm. I've learned. All right. So finally, we actually have a very sad, a very unfortunate story. It's talking about the horrific murder of a, what is it, five-year-old boy outside his own home. And the reason why we wanted to cover this is because this really isn't being talked a lot about in the mainstream media. The only reason I'm aware of the story is because of social media people I follow have been yeah. sharing this story, which is so frustrating because if the races in this case were reversed, which we'll get into in a second, this would be international headlines. Of course. Absolutely. So we have this from The Independent. It says a North Carolina man has been charged with the murder of a five-year-old boy after shooting him at point-blank range Sunday. Darius Sessoms, 25, was arrested by the Wilson Police Department Monday after allegedly walking up to Cannon Hinnant, five, and shooting him in the head. The boy was standing outside his father's house when Mr. Sessoms allegedly shot him. According to a local news broadcaster, Cannon's seven and eight-year-old sisters saw his murder. Cannon had just learned how to write his name and would have begun 
done kindergarten this year. It says, Mr. Sessoms and I used to play together and I never thought he'd kill someone. Rachel Pipkin, one of Cannon's mother's cousins, told CBS News, a mother now has to lay her son to rest at five years old, which she should never have to do. He'll never be forgotten. It says, according to a GoFundMe set up for the family, Mr. Sessoms shot Cannon for riding his bike into Mr. Sessoms yard. Police have not released information regarding a motive though at this time. This is just a horrific case. And I yeah. hate to politicize something that is just a senseless murder, but I kind of feel the need to to point out the double standard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even like this is a white child that was killed, unfortunately, which is not getting enough attention. But there are children of all races in places like Chicago who are gunned down by things like gun violence in inner cities, and they never get the attention they deserve either. And so it's not just who the victim is, it's who the perpetrator is as well. And we see this with the media. They only focus on stories that fit their narrative, but then right. they, they bend people's opinions to their will because they're yes. they're being selective in what they show. Of course, that's that's one of the ways that they spread misinformation mm -hmm. is they start showing these anecdotal things. Like I mentioned earlier, that, you know, they they start creating a story based on all these anecdotes. Right. So, you know, they won't show ones like this, which this is an anecdote, right? right? But you know, it it does coincide at a greater rate with what happens in society than mm -hmm. the story that the media is painting of the police of the gunning police down brutality, people. this this supposed racist uh, oppression right. war on a systemic level against people of color. Yeah, that's just not what's happening. And them not covering something like this, like like Lauren said, if the races were reversed, they absolutely would be. There would be there would be riots in North Carolina, mm -hmm. and it would be international news. Right, and if we even look at this, remember the case of the jogger quote who was shot by those two yes, white guys. Yeah. I mean, that was an international incident. Yep. I think this is even more upsetting. I mean, every every death is upsetting, but this was a child, and no one in the mainstream media is talking about it. And there are people, thankfully, who are calling out the hypocrisy of places like CNN who really just feed off of these news stories they can yeah. politicize. But then when something doesn't fit their agenda, they just don't mention it. It's like, hang on, it's not your job to decide or it shouldn't be what news is and is not important, right? If something is, if we've set the precedent that, you know, innocent people dying is sad, then you need to cover you need to cover them fairly and unbiasedly, not mm -hmm. just pick and choose what do you want to talk about. Um, but I did, there is something else that I wanted to bring up and it's, it relates to this whole idea of statistics being bent in order to shape a specific worldview. Um, so with Black Lives Matter and really the progressive narrative, the idea is that white people are killing black people at an alarming rate, specifically police officers. But what we saw with the case in Georgia, not even just exclusively, it's just black people need to be afraid for their lives walking down the street because white people are out to get them because yeah. racism, slavery, bad, et cetera, et cetera. You, you've all heard this enough, I'm sure. Um, what I thought was interesting is that, you know, in order to debunk a stereotype existing of black people more violent is that one of the larger BLM pages on Instagram, it's literally just at BLM, they posted this, stop believing stereotypes that are told about black people in America. And it's a chart showing, you know, different crimes, murder, rape, robbery, and the percent that are committed by white versus black people. The caption is don't believe the hype, numbers don't lie, hashtag black lives matter, hashtag BLM. Mm -hmm. So I think they posted this to show that for most crimes, um, yeah, for most crimes, black people, commit less than 50%. Problem is, is that black people are 13% of the population around. Yeah. 
Um, so what this graph actually shows is that black people do commit a disproportionate amount of crime. So per capita yes. is what we're looking at. And that's really the, the best indicator. Um, so this was, I thought, interesting because it really displays a lack of understanding of statistics, mm -hmm. of proportions. And I even I posted this to social media and I just saw more of the same people are saying, well, they're right black people do commit less crime and it's like mm. it's like there's not a single crime on that list that is 13 percent or below closest would be dui 14.8 for, yeah so almost 15 percent, and that's you know so that's that's not significant difference in that yeah. case i mean it might be statistically significant but compared to the rest of these where you see 53 percent of murders i mean I, i'm cherry picking there that's one of the bigger ones yeah but but i, I wanted to talk about this because even using black lives matter numbers yeah. 50 like white people are not disproportionately murdering anybody right 44.1 percent nope. i mean the fact is that I, I i think that the majority of society is not statistically literate yes that that's that's one thing that i'm pretty certain about i oh, would yeah. argue that statistics should probably be taught in high school i think like so. a basic statistics yeah. class so that you're able to understand at least this stuff when you just see a raw percentage oh black people only commit you know only 38% of prostitution crime. That's doesn't sound that bad if you just say it like that. And a lot of people, a wide uh, swath of people will would say, they, oh, well, oh, that's, you know, a minority that's, number. Yeah, that's, that's less, less than, than I would 50%. expect is what they might think. But yeah. in reality, that that is... You're like, overrepresented. That's significantly overrepresented. When I was in university, I was a TA, class that I TA'd for. If you've watched this show for a while, you know the story, quantitative political methodology. Part of what I was in charge of explaining to students was statistical interpretation of study results, right? And it never ceased to amaze me how some people just really are not mathematically inclined and i don't mean to like this is blm who brought up these numbers not me right this is blm who brought up these numbers but i feel like if we're talking about quote systemic issues mm. systemic problems we need to look at the macro numbers and the macro numbers i'm sorry just do not support you know what? i'm not sorry it's good news they do not support the idea of white people gunning down black people in the street every single day and that's a good that's a good thing Okay, well, what about if we looked at these numbers from the standpoint of ethnomathematics and ethnostatistics? You know, 2 plus 2 equals 5 That's stuff? That's true, yeah. Then you never know. Maybe yeah. it works in that case. <laughs> Maybe these people are just interpreting the numbers with their own their own worldview, so I can't question it. Um, but then, you know, when I posted this, a lot of people maybe who did understand the statistical significance of the numbers were saying like, well, why are these numbers higher? Like, you just think, like, it's just, you're racist. That's why you think, and it's like, no. This is how you know progressives don't listen to conservatives, right? Because whenever conservatives talk about crime, and they're actually conservative, not some alt-right person, they're gonna talk about things like the welfare state, breaking down families over the past, let's Poverty. say, 40 years, right? Poverty, bad school systems, right? It's I've not heard a conservative mention high black crime without mentioning one of those three things in a really long time, especially not a mainstream conservative. So it's like conservatives have solutions, responses to these high crime rates that we would love to talk about that have nothing to do with race or racism, but that people just don't ask us about. And it's actually what's also, I think, noteworthy is that the majority of these crimes are happening in Democrat-controlled areas that have been Democrat-controlled for for generations, for decades. So if it you know if it really is the result of systemic racism, why do you keep voting in these racist Democrats then? Like, explain that. 
I don't think they can. We would love to know what you all think. Are we being overly pessimistic? Or I mean, every single story, it's like bad news, bad news, bad news. Yeah, and that is that is something that we are guilty of to some degree as being part of the media. Yeah. We do pick out the stories that naturally garner our attention and some of these are negative. So is this the way that we are heading or is it just our selection bias? Yeah, yeah let us know. Uh, but that's it for now. Thank you so much for watching and we hope to see you next time.